Hashtag Pistons Podcast. I'm Joe. I'm your host, joined today, as usual, by Kuka Hill. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore truck, at Joe Truck. I write for a bunch of different places. Uh, you can find Koo on Twitter at Koo NBA. He is the site expert editor-in-chief of PistonPower.com, which is, of course, the Piston blog of the fan-sided network. Um, it's been a little bit. We've been experiencing some technical issues. Uh, my computer kind of got fried. So we're trying something a little different. We got a little bit MacGyvered together here, but hopefully it works out pretty well. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Obviously, it's over the All-Star break right now. The All-Star game was, uh, we're, we're, we're recording this Tuesday night, so a couple days ago was the All-Star game. Um, the Pistons are currently eighth in the Eastern Conference. They're technically tied with Miami, but they hold a slight tiebreaker somewhere, I think, way down the line. But they're 26-30 and 30 on the season. Uh, finished the, went into the All-Star break pretty well. They won four in a row before losing their last game against Boston. Um, so a lot of guys are playing really well. We've talked about that a little bit. Reggie Jackson started to play really well. Andre Drummond really was playing out of his mind heading into the break. So a lot of things going well. Um, so I think to start us off, how about screw it? Koo just sort of, I guess here's, here's what we'll start with. Um, how about we both pick and you can go first. Um, the biggest thing from the, um, pre all-star break that, you saw that you want to see how that changes or even stays the same going into the home stretch. Um, I think it's obviously Dwayne Casey and how he has worked in um, Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond recently, because as anybody who's listened to this podcast throughout the year knows that me and you have been uh, begging and just praying and asking that Dwayne Casey would gain any kind of brain cells that would just let him know hey, we should probably get Andre Drummond rolling to the basket more instead of having him like try to create his shot. What was it? He, we found that he was creating a shot just as much as Joel Embiid does on his baskets. Yeah, he was um, being assisted on – when we had that talk, he was being assisted on just about 51% of his buckets overall, which was almost the exact same rate that Joel Embiid was assisted. So – yeah. Yeah. So Dwayne Casey, um, in the previous weeks, as Andre Drummond has played absolutely like unstoppable and just dominant, it's been you can see just a shift in the offense. Andre's been rolling to the basket more. He hasn't been having to create the shot for himself as much. His post ups have went down, and in return, Reggie Jackson also has been playing better because. It's just like two things that go hand in hand with each other. You get Reggie Jackson involved in some pick and rolls, then Andre plays better. You get Andre playing in some pick and rolls and rolling to the rim, then Reggie plays better. It's just two things that just go with each other, and it's for the best of the team. So I'm just hoping that I want to see the rest of the season, see if Dwayne Casey continues to make the right adjustments. And I understand he took it took him like five months, four months, just to find out this adjustment but it's better late than never. The Pistons controlled their own destiny now, so I want to see Dwayne Casey continue with what he did, what what change he made, and see if he can continue to try to tweak or make like the right changes here and there moving forward to get the Pistons into the playoffs as possibly the sixth or seventh seed. Yeah, um, I mostly agree with you on that. Uh, the here here's one thing that I'd be interested to hear about 
um, from you. And also, I'm not actually not totally sure what I think about it, to be honest. Um, and this will actually be a good thing for us to talk about tomorrow, hopefully. Um, but we can give our opinions on it now. Um, what do you think of the idea? Because in particular, Vincent Ellis of the Free Press has really talked about this a lot, that because of Dwayne Casey's offensive style and the fact that he sort of prefers, not even prefers, the style of offense that he runs is very free-flowing. They don't really call plays, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's been a lot of talk that, you know, Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond have had been allowed to do these things before and that it was more the onus was on them. Um, I'm curious what you think about that whole idea that really it was them who started to change. I know I've, I've got thoughts on it, but I'm curious what you think about it first. Well, um, actually, it's something you bring that up. That's a pretty good topic to talk about. I actually was just thinking about this a couple of days ago and I thought about something you told me, I believe on like, it was one of our very first podcasts of the year. You told me, and it was talking about how um, having an offense like this allows players or not allows them, but it gives a higher chance to this to players to fall into their bad habits. And if you don't got no structure or like any kind of structure within the offense allows them to like fall into some bad habits. I think that has a lot to do with it. And I mean, if Vince is saying that they could have always been doing this, but they just didn't choose to. I mean, I, I guess, but you're the coach. Everything stops with you. And if you see that something's not working, I mean, I understand you want some free flowing, but you can't just, you know, point out something and be like, hey, we should probably stop doing this a little bit and try to do this more. I'm all for you guys playing free and doing your thing out there, but we should probably try to do this a little bit more or less of that. I mean, I mean, you can't just throw players out there and just say, okay, screw it. I'm just going to watch from the sideline. I I mean, he is the coach. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, there is one point that Vince, honestly, all the beat writers have made this point. Um, the beat writers and plenty of other people, right? Is that one thing that is undeniable about this, which is not in any way able to be blamed on Dwayne Casey, I suppose you could say, is that... Um, is that Reggie Jackson has clearly looked better. He's clearly looked, um, he's, he's clearly looked different, right? Like there is simply put, there's no denying that that dude has started to get, get his spring back and he's played a lot better. And, you know, regardless of the situations he's being put in or the offensive sets, he's being asked to run, um, it's going to look better when Reggie Jackson is actually hitting threes and is able to get into the lane and such, right? Like there's just, that is something that is true. Um, but I do agree with your larger point though, that, I mean, I get that Dwayne Casey's offense puts a lot of onus on the players to make decisions for themselves. Right. And as such, yeah, the players get some of the blame for the fact that the offense has looked so ugly at times, but Dwayne Casey's the coach. Like, <laughs> I mean, I I just have trouble putting that blame on the players when it's like, I Dwayne Casey's the coach. Like, when the offense looks as bad as it has at times this season, and for what it's worth, as nice as it has been for the, you know, what, two weeks before the All-Star break, that's just two weeks. There's a very good chance that that was 
that that stretch was just a blip and they go back to being what they were the rest of the season. Like if you're the coach, it's your job to fix that. It's not the player's jobs to fix that. If you're saying, all right, we're going to roll out the balls and you guys get to do whatever you want. And it turns out to be terrible. It's your job as the coach to change that. And for what it's worth, I also at the same time, don't actually buy that. No, nothing really changed. They just, the players just started doing better. I think that there's no way you can argue that the coaching staff, you know, maybe the players had something to do with it, but I think there's no way to deny that the coaching staff made a um, pointed effort to, at the very least, get Andre Drummond more as a role man and not post him up as much because that's been a big change. And that's one of the reasons that their offenses look so much better over this stretch is because of the fact that they've used Andre Drummond as a role man more. So for all the talk that you can have about how, well, it's really the players, that's how Dwayne Casey's system works, there definitely was a changer. So I don't really buy this idea of, well, it's not Dwayne Casey's fault, the players can't figure it out, because the reality is that is actually the coach's job. But at the same time, because of that, I actually give Dwayne Casey credit because I think he did actually step in and say, you know, all right, look, we've tried to do this, we're going to make a change here and yeah you're about to say something go ahead yeah yeah i just to add on to your your point about it being an obvious like there's no way you can watch this team all year and say that this there hasn't been a concerted effort to change some things in the offense like just for example i mean we've had we were just discussing this in the uh our group we've seen some not a lot not and i'm not gonna say it's been a lot but we've seen some spain pick and rolls with dre We've seen Drake cutting a lot more from like the height post and the baseline. We've seen a hell of a lot more four or five pick and roll with Blake. We've seen Blake rolling more. We've seen like like everything that you took from like the first like three months, like all the way to like the end of January, like mid-January. If you watch this team the last three weeks, it's been like, I'm not going to say it's just been completely, utterly different, but there's obviously a clear change in some things. Like Blake rolling and Andre cutting and – and there being more four or five pick and rolls, which we've been begging for like all season to see a four and five pick and roll added on to the fact that Reggie has been getting active more. Now, like you said, I do, I did want to point that out. I, that was my bad for not pointing that out with mine at the beginning, but Reggie Jackson obviously has been, looks way more healthy. And I believe one of us brought it up a couple of podcasts ago. Arnie Kander uh, I forget what he's under now. He used to be what our training he used to be. Uh, used to be their their head athletic trainer. Now he's technically consultant, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So like before the season, he's been he was working with Reggie, and he said that it's probably going to take until at least January for him to be all the way back. And obviously, you can see that that probably was a true statement because. Reggie Jackson just looks a lot more jumpy, springy. He looks more and more like the guy that we grew accustomed to. So, yeah, that that obviously has a lot to do with it. But my larger point, there's been a concerted effort. You can clearly see it if you've watched the Pistons all year. And there's I, – I mean, I agree with you. I, I don't believe – I don't really entertain the – you – it's a free flowing offense, so it's on the players to do that. Then why why even have a coach then if they're just gonna go out there and play open gym style? There's it's just I don't really buy that. I mean, obviously, if that's the offense and you want to say okay, why well, gave them the option to do, it and they're just choosing to do bad things? I mean, I guess you can say that it falls on them, but 
the whole point of having a coach is to have structure. The whole point of having someone at the top is to have leadership and structure within something. It's supposed to checks and balances. And like, if the, if you're just going to say, screw it, go out there and do whatever you want, there's no point of even having a coach if you're not going to try to do anything to do your job. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, we're both pretty much on the same page there, I'd say. Uh, man, I was about to say something. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, so you brought up the Spain pick and roll thing, okay? So first off, I think that's a term that is easy to throw out there, but just so people know what that means, okay? This is probably not the easiest thing to explain on a podcast, but if you don't know what it is, the best thing to do would be to just like look up a YouTube video on it. There's plenty of them that explain what it is. But basically, a Spain pick and roll is you set up a normal pick and roll. Then after the big man or whoever is setting the screen sets the screen and then rolls to the hoop, another man comes up and sets a screen on the big man's man. So while the big man rolls to the hoop, a screen is set for him as he goes. And so... All right, so just so people have a basic idea of what that is. And the reason why I, I'm glad you brought that up and why I want to highlight it is because this is one of the reasons why it was so frustrating for both of us earlier this season is that, and I, I know that I elaborated on this, right, is that, you know, people often tell me, you know, Joe, you do such a great job of simplifying things down for, you know, people that don't really know this stuff. It's like the reason I'm good at that is because I don't know this stuff at that high level. Like my in-depth play analysis knowledge is just about the same as any other random person watching, right? Like it's not that high. And that's one of the reasons why it was so frustrating. It's like, there's some really basic wrinkles they could add in that I know about that. I'm watching like, why not just do this thing? That's pretty simple to add on. And they weren't doing it earlier but they've started to do these things and the Spain pick and roll is an example of it. Um, they used to do, they done a lot of horn stuff this year where one big pops and the other one rolls to the hoop. Um, but throwing it in as a wrinkle that it's a Spain pick and roll instead of just a basic horn set, that makes a big difference. Um, for the defense, it's another thing they have to keep an eye out for. It helps free up Andre more. And in particular with the way Blake Griffin has been shooting, that's a pretty deadly duo. And, you know, I guess I didn't actually pick one, but the thing from the first, you know, pre-All-Star break heading into the final stretch that I'm most interested to see is whether or not this is actually how good of a shooter Blake Griffin is. Because <laughs> I'm looking at these numbers right now. Blake Griffin is taking 6.8 shot attempts from three per game is shooting 36.5% on those attempts. And then one of the even crazier things is that on his three-point attempts, he's only getting assisted on like 50% of them. That's absurd. Like, he's not, It's that's not like James Harden levels, and James Harden's a different animal in those things. But like, he's legitimately shooting as well as Anthony Tolliver. Like, that's literally, I Tali shot like 40% last year, but before that, that's what Tali was. High volume, like 36, 37%. And Blake Griffin's also doing it while not getting assisted on his threes that often. I'm. It is not an exaggeration to say that Blake Griffin this season has been one of the best shooting big men in the league. That's not an exaggeration in terms of volume and difficulty blended with efficiency. And... <laughs> That's a development that I don't think anyone really saw coming. 
Um, I know some of us, I know that I thought at least, and there's others too, there are fairly, I wrote about it before. Yeah, the the, you know, there's plenty of people that were optimistic about him being fine as a shooter, right? Like my basic thought process was, you know, this is a dude who's added stuff to his game every single season. Uh, this is a dude who's improved in a lot of different ways. You know, when he came to the league, he was like a 50% free throw shooter. Um, and he got up to last season, he was like, like 80% or something like that. So it's like, you know, I'd just sort of bet on that. He'll be able to be at least around league average. But <laughs> I don't think anyone could have foreseen him becoming this good from three. I mean, you, you like you said, you wrote about before the season. Did you think that he would be this good? No, I, I, my, I wrote about saying that could he at least be a 35% shooter Yeah, from beyond yeah. the arc. Doesn't like league average around there. And, and probably not on nearly as high a volume and difficulty of shots. Oh, yeah, as, no. Like I think before the season, most people were figuring, you know, hopefully he's able to occasionally hit a spot up three um, and he'll take some difficult ones just because, you know, he has the ball in his hands a lot. But you'll trade those out the any long two pointers out for a three in those cases. So, you know, if he can hover around 33, 34, maybe 35% on a few attempts per game, that's good. I don't think anyone saw this coming. And it's been awesome. And I don't want to cast doubt on it, but we talk about a lot the sample size. There's a non zero chance that he crashes and burns in the final stretch of the season with his three ball. Um there's been, honestly, to be honest, the entire season, I've kind of been holding my breath a little bit with his three-point shot, kind of waiting for a slump to happen at some point, and it just kind of hasn't. And so, look, like I said, okay, this is a dude who has added a ton to his game since he came to the league. He clearly is a guy who absolutely works his tail off at his craft. Like, he is one of those dudes, and... So if there's a guy who's going to just say, no, I'm just going to skip that step. I'm just a really good shooter now. It's Blake Griffin. Just in the back of my mind, it's like, man, with most people, you'd certainly expect a slump. Maybe Blake Griffin is the outlier. He's certainly an outlier in a lot of other ways. But just that's the one thing that I'm thinking about. Like, (laughs) if he's like hits a slump where for like a month, he shoots like 27% from three or something like that. That could be trouble. And once again, that wouldn't even necessarily mean that he's not a really good shooter. Like last year, Tobias Harris had a month where he shot in the time without Reggie Jackson last season, Tobias Harris shot like 29% or 30% from three, something like that. It's like, it's not like good shooters can't have stretches like that. And Blake Griffin just kind of hasn't this season. He's just been good all year. So that's the, that's the thing that I'm most interested in. I think there's a lot of other things too, but I think that's my biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. That dude has been, if, if anybody hasn't been taking appreciate, like appreciating him so far, please, you should, you should now. Cause this dude has been just, this, this is like, I, I wish we had a better team around him. And you know, what's funny is, um, Joe saw this. I, I told, uh, our group, um, we have some people tweeting now all of a sudden on NBA Twitter, dude, look how great Blake Griffin's been. It's, he's been if you look at how good Blake Griffin has been, this is crazy. And of course, I'm going to assume it was just thought about because he just played an all-star game, hit two threes in the all-star game, and just so happened to be on people's mind. All I'm gonna say is this 
I know me and Cham, I know Joe, I I know we were at the very beginning of the season, after like the first month, we were trying to tell everybody, dude, this guy's playing insane. This this is like absurd what he's doing. This is you guys aren't this isn't just somebody playing great. This is this is absurdity what he's doing. And everyone was just like, Oh, well, you know, he's he's just lifting them from bottom feeders to semi bottom feeders. So it it doesn't really mean anything. He's not having a large effect on the game as much. Blah 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 blah. All that BS. And now you got people talking about. Oh my God! Have you been? Have you seen how great Blake Griffin is now? It's just welcome to the party. And if you if you haven't been appreciating him so far, please do because this is some of the best. Just if you think just Detroit sports, this is some of the best performance. This is like the, one of the best performances Detroit sports have had. In a minute, the only thing I can think of, and I'm not gonna lie and say I have, I I don't really pay attention to baseball and hockey, but the only thing in my experience that would even come close to rivaling this is like three seasons ago, two seasons ago when Stafford had like nine game winning drives for and led us to the playoffs. But I'm not even sure if that like okay. rivals what Blake's Hold doing right now. What he's doing is right. I just need to stop you there. All right. So in terms of all of Detroit sports, Miguel Cabrera won a triple crown and MVP. Justin Verlander won MVP and Cy Young in the same year too. That wasn't that long ago, and it's getting it's getting a while ago. It was <laughs> those are both. Yeah, those that are that both. Sounds like a while like, ago. I don't know. They're probably like five years ago or so. Five, maybe six years ago. Like those are two things that happened. So let's just let's let's not get. Let's. I'm just saying. Let's not get totally carried away with that. But sort to you know connected to that. There's an argument to be made that he's currently having the best season of any player in a Detroit Pistons uniform, probably the best since Isaiah Thomas, at least. Like, there's a very real argument to be made there. And honestly, what he's doing right now, the biggest argument against him, at least compared to any Isaiah Thomas season, is that obviously a lot of Isaiah Thomas's seasons came on some pretty freaking good teams. You know, teams that won a couple of championships and this team is not good, which that does count for something. But I tell you what, man, (laughs) it's you can hold it up to any season that any player has ever had in a Pistons jersey and it compares pretty well to him. Like Grant Hill had a couple of really good seasons that were really good. And Grant Hill was a great player, obviously. But I don't know, man, I think I might take this Blake Griffin over Grant Hill when he was with the Pistons. I would take Blake Griffin. Would you would you say that this season is Blake Griffin's best season you ever? Know, it's a little bit tough because I'm saying, yeah. I it's sort of the I'd say from an individual standpoint, it kinda has to be. It's hard to argue against it. So his previous the the one that's the contention for it, okay, is in the 2013-2014 season. He played in all 80 games. He scored 24 points per game with nine and a half rebounds and 3.9 assists per game on a Los Angeles Clippers team that won 57 games. You know what? Scratch it. I think that that one has to top this one because his numbers are a little more gaudy this season. So he's averaging more of more assists, more points. Obviously, he's a much more... Um, his offensive load is much heavier in this season than it was then. Uh, but I think, what was the efficiency that year? 
let's see. This season, he's true shooting percentage is 59. That season, he was at 58. So he's slightly more efficient this season. But I don't know. The fact that he did that that season on a team that won 57 games, like, that matters. I think that has to matter. So it's right up there with that season, though. And there's no other season that's close. It's Those two seasons pretty clearly stand head and shoulders above the rest. And ironically, that was the last season that Blake Griffin had that he was really healthy the entire season. So there may be a connection there. But, yeah, it's, you know, okay, so I just brought that up, right? Do you people realize how absurd this is? This man scoring 26 points per game. His true shooting percentage <laughs> is 59.6%. This dude nearly has a true shooting percentage of 60%. Do people realize how absurd that is for a dude to score more than 25 points a game on that kind of efficiency, especially considering his supporting cast? The Pistons literally have had the worst ring rotation of teams trying to win games this season in the entire NBA. I think the New York Knicks are the only team in the NBA that currently has a worse wing rotation than the Pistons. And before they trade Tim Hardaway Jr., they probably had a better one. And this dude is still scoring 25-plus on elite efficiency. Elite efficiency. That is bona fidely absurd. I just wanted to put that out there. But, yeah. Yeah, the dude. The and, dude's crazy. Yeah, yeah, so basic point, though, with is this his best season? I think I'd probably put the 13-14 season over it. That's because he put up pretty comparable numbers but on a much, much better team. And so I think I'd probably have to give that the edge, but <laughs> this season is pretty impressive. So, yeah, I mean, I guess the basic point of this this stretch of conversation just has to be, I hope you all are appreciating what this man is doing this season because this sort of thing doesn't happen that often. Like, Simply put, and here's the thing that, you know, it's a little bit sad to think about this, but it's also a reality that, you know, I kind of think people have to, it's good to remember is that we don't know if he'll have this next season, right? Like there's a chance that this is as good as he gets. And even if it's for a team, even if it's wasting away on a team that isn't that good, that's not going to be worth anything. I tell you what, man. Even if the Pistons blow the season, they miss the playoffs, I'm still going to be glad that I tuned in every night to see Blake Griffin play basketball this season. That's how good he's been. So I guess, yeah, that's just the basic point. I just, I hope people are appreciating just how absurdly good he's been. And, you know, say whatever. Yeah, he's crazy, man. No, he's crazy. I, I, there's nothing else I can say. If, if this was like out in the like out with my boys, I would there would be other words <laughs> I'd be using right now. It's just he's that he's been insane. Like it's just crazy. And like Joe said, even if the Pistons do blow it, which will be just it's just so sad if we do blow this. What he's doing because I mean, like I said, I don't pay attention to hockey and baseball, but it's just so it's just it's like all year round. I just have to deal with. Detroit teams just ruining someone's career. It's just with the Lions, it's somebody, Calvin, Barry, Matthew. Now we got Blake here, and now Blake's doing this. I mean, it will suck. It will suck a lot if we ruin this. But even even if we do, even if we do ruin it, I, I'm going to be very happy and very. I'm going to. Be, this is the kind of thing I'm going to tell people like ten years from now, dude. 
we traded for Blake Griffin and the season after he like it was some of the best things I've ever seen like that kind of thing in a Pistons uniform I don't think I've ever seen something like that in a Pistons uniform and I'm I'm glad I'm getting to watch it no matter if the team around him is absolutely god awful yeah for sure okay looking at some other stats I've got I've just got the basketball reference page up well I know a crazy number right now what do you okay here here this will be our next our next question slash topic okay when you look at this team's statistics, what is the number you see that you think is the craziest or what stands out to you the most? Uh, the okay, big here, theory yeah, on the we court can talk together. about that first. Go for it. Do you have that up? I actually do have that pulled up too if you don't have it. Okay, so the big three, the, up. at least alleged big three of Blake Griffin, Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond. In 1,149 minutes this season playing together, which is a substantial sample size, plenty for a lineup combination, they are scoring per 100 possessions, 109.8 points, and allowing 103.9 points. That is a net rating of plus 5.9. Also of note, in games where all three of those guys have played, the Pistons are 25 and 26. That's, That's pretty good. Like, those three guys, they're making things happen here. There may be something there. And pretty much yeah. those three guys and are so not the problem. Kind of connected to that, right? Here's a number that stands out to me. 56. That is the number of games Reggie Jackson has played this season. 54 is the number of games Blake Griffin has played. That's pretty good. Reggie Jackson played in every yeah. And the Blake Griffin has missed, Blake missed two games, both for rest. Reggie Jackson has played in yeah, every single game this season. He hasn't missed any. That's pretty good. That's making me feel good. Yeah, <laughs> it makes me feel a little more yep. optimistic. Although on the other hand, that also makes me feel a lot worse because I'm just waiting for the Pistons to be the Pistons and to have everything be ruined. But. <laughs> that's pretty big. And the other thing, I guess, the other way, if you want to be a pessimist about it, is that those guys have been healthy and they've still been this bad, which there is actually a case to be made there. But I think that the larger point really is it really highlights. I already touched on it, but it really highlights that the Pistons wing rotation is absolute and utter garbage, like just terrible. I mean, we're both fans of Luke Kennard. We're both fans of Bruce Brown. But, I mean, they really do not have guys on the wing who can really do a lot. Um, other than Luke Kennard, I mean, especially now that they've traded Reggie Bullock, other than Luke Kennard, they don't have many guys that are much of offensive options. Um, and, you know, here, because we're on this, right? Because we're on this. Kyrie Thomas. Um, so I was going to say, what's your biggest support? Um, good surprise. What's your biggest bad surprise and disappointment? I think we both probably are going to have our biggest disappointment. Cool. What's your biggest disappointment for the season? Oh, specifically Stanley Johnson. Get not not Stanley Johnson. Go second. Um. Uh, okay. Never mind. All right. We're, we're good. Well, you can talk about Stanley in a second. Okay. Langston Galloway has been freaking terrible. Absolutely terrible. Oh, <laughs> like what on earth, man? <laughs> Um, Martin has tweeted this a little bit a couple of times like a week ago, but it's kind of like, you know, you look up and down the roster and there's a lot of things that's like, you know, this isn't great, but 
you know, what did you really expect? Like, now Reggie Jackson has actually salvaged his three-point shooting with that stretch before the All-Star break. He's now up to 36.6%, which is pretty good. Uh, but, like, before that, when he was at, like, 33 34%, it's like, you know, that's not great. But, I mean, we've known Reggie Jackson's not that good of a shooter. You know, when you looked at Stanley Johnson not shooting well, it's like, well, you know, he's not a shooter. He's not a good shooter, et cetera, et cetera. There are a lot of things you looked at with this team that it's like, yeah, this isn't great, but did you really expect that much more? And then you look at Langston Galloway, and this dude is shooting 32% from three. <laughs> like, yeah, you expected way better. I have no idea what the deal is with that either because, you know, this sort of crap frustrates me so much, man, because, right, so I'm Mr. Believe in the sample size. Dude is a career 35% three-point shooter on huge volume. Huge volume. And he's shooting 32% from three. He's taking tons of open threes, too. Yeah, I was about to say, you have to include the stat that you've got it up. Are you going to include it? Do you want me to say it? No, I I don't have it got up. I just remember it. This this man, Langston Galloway, our our boy Martin tweeted this, my co-side expert at Piston Power. This man, Langston Galloway, is shooting a worst percentage on open oh threes Lord. than Stanley Johnson did on the year. It, it's just, it, it's awful. It's it's awful. I don't understand how, I, I don't understand how this could happen. Langston, it's like, that's what he, I wrote about this recently. And like, that's what he's supposed to be doing. That's like who he is. He's supposed to be a shooter. And and the, th- the thing that's frustrated me the most about it is, he's been trash at the one thing he's supposed to be good at doing. And Dwayne Casey's still playing him. He's still playing him minutes, and and Lance, and he's still like getting PT out there while just continuing to blow up the joint. Like it's just awful. It's it's god awful. I want to see Kyrie Thomas. Yeah. I can't do it. I no mean, more with it Lance. really is that I like can't. it just stands out so much. I mean, before this season, Langston Gallery was shooting on his career thirty six percent from three on really high volume. Like he wasn't like a super elite shooter. No one would mistake him for Calcor or anything like that. But dude has been a shooter his whole career. That's why he's on the team. And he just has been terrible this season. And it's like, you know, honestly, one of the worst parts about this is that, so he makes $7 million a year, right? If he had played like we thought he would be able to, right? He's shooting like 36%, 37% from three, where it's like, you know, yeah, he's, he's not great, but hey, he's doing okay. He would actually be to the point where you'd almost be okay with paying him $7 million, or at the very least, there'd be a decent chance that they could convince some team to take him this offseason. You know, just to be like, like maybe the Kings or someone else who has cap space, they miss on a couple of free agents, and they're like, you know, we could use another shooter, and screw it. We'll pay Langston Galway a few extra million more than he's worth for a season, and whatever. Like, you know, there's a very real chance that could have happened. Guess what's not going to be able to happen anymore? <laughs> Ain't no one taking a shooter who can't freaking shoot. Nobody. So it's terrible. <laughs> and one of the, I think one of the best things that could happen to the Pistons down the stretch of the season would be if Langston Galloway could experience uh, a revitalization or a big regression to the mean a la Marcus Morris in 2015, 2016. That would be big time, um, which for what it's worth still could happen. And I'll still bring up, yeah, 
my man's no nope. could happen here let me let me bring this up let me bring this up all right no you don't want to see, see it happen, happen. No, I don't even want cool. him to have the chance to do it. I, his time is over. He's had the whole. He's had all the way till February to get something together. Something. It's time to see Kyrie Thomas or. Cool. I hate to break I, no, something. To I you. can't. This man is going to keep playing basketball. He's not coming out. <laughs> I know he is. That's the crazy playing. thing about it. He's going to. He's okay. Going to keep here's playing. the thing. Right. So, just as an example for Pete, if you've totally lost hope, like Koo. Right. In the 2014, no, not 2014, 2015, 2016 season, Marcus Morris arrived in the in Detroit as a career 36% three-point shooter, exactly the same as Langston Galloway. Almost exactly the same. Before the All-Star break that season, Marcus Morris was shooting 30.9% from three. Even worse than Langston Galloway. After the All-Star break, do you know what Marcus Morris shot from three? 44%. Nope. A cool 44%. Finished the season at 36.2. So I'm not saying that's going to happen per se. I'm just saying sample size often ends up winning. So now I'll say this: What's I have says? my own numbers What's to combat says? Joe. Everyone listening, this is going to be a, this is going to be a, this is going to be a historic moment. Everybody listening, this is this little sample size argument. I got him, ladies and gentlemen. We got him. Now, Joe, what's what what's Mason Galloway shooting 32? this year? Thirty-two from three. On Four how many point attempts? seven per game. All right, so would you say you just off the top of your head, unless you have it pulled up? This is his I career low so. from three, correct? What What do you think his uh, previous career know. low I, was? I won't pull it up to cheat, so I don't know. Four last year, he shot thirty four percent from three though last year. Yeah, but, but he was already okay. trending Shooting downward. Thirty four point four percent from three on sporadic playing time is way different from 32% while playing 21 minutes a game in yes, 54 but, of the 56 games. I understand, big, but he's been trending he's been trending below what he's been shooting big his career difference. since he arrived here. It's a big difference. No, not big difference. The dude shot 42 42 36 if he shoots, and no wait, no, if no he were wrong to, numbers, wrong number. He shot 30 he shot 35, 34, 39 before he got here. All of a sudden, he arrives here. It's 34, If he were 32. to finish the season overall shooting like 34%, he'd probably shoot like 36 or 37 the rest of the way. Would you take that? Yeah, you would because that'd be fine. Sadly. So, there's a very real chance there's some regression to the mean. Just holy smokes has it been frustrating, and it's been an issue for the Pistons. And... So no, is 34% but, good enough? <laughs> okay, either way, well, he's you know, the real awful. One of the real kickers for him, and this was actually, I had the foresight to say this when they signed him. I was kind of like, right after they signed him, my initial reaction was, you know, I, I, I think he's a pretty good player. I'm not sure. He might be paid a little too much, but, you know, we'll see. Um, but one of the big things I said was, I've heard some different things about his defense. 
And that's going to really impact whether or not he's going to be worth it. Because when they signed him, there were some people that were like, this dude can really, really defend. Guess what Langston Galloway is not actually able to do? <laughs> I mean, that wasn't no. I, I don't yeah, understand he's got why a really long wingspan. The dude's like strong. Just there are some people who said that he's really a good defender, and he's not like terrible, but he's really not a good defender. So okay, so think about it like this, right? If he was defending, like at a level of. I don't know who would be a good a good comparison. Like, if he defended somewhere around the level that, like, Reggie Bullock defends at, right? Where it's like, yeah, he's pretty good. He's nothing special, but he does his job. He stays in front of people, et cetera, right? It'd be a lot easier to swallow the fact that he's shooting 32% from three, right? But he's actually mostly been bad on defense, I think, at least. Like, he's been closer to Reggie Jackson than Reggie he's Bullock. He's been bad everywhere. <laughs> It's an issue. No, he's just so, no, he's in his own. It's an issue. It's a big awful. issue. Um, I'm honestly, I'm kind of with you on just saying screw it and playing Kyrie Thomas over him at this point. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But I'm not. I'm kind of with you there, though. I'm at that place. It's not. Um, you know what's crazy? I I never thought. I, I didn't think that we'd be having. I'd have this discussion with myself about people competing, and I didn't think this was a spot people wanted to compete for. But apparently, apparently, you show up in Detroit and you want to compete for this spot. I, we have multiple people competing for the worst player on the team spot. We got Jose Calderon over there at the end of the bench. Gr three quickly joined him for competing as the worst player, and now we got Langston, who's just. Who's trying his hardest to get over there at the end of the bench so they can all okay, compete here, for that let's last talk about spot? Robinson it's just it's insane. Okay. No, we're going to talk about this. Okay. No, I so, don't know. Please. First don't do off, this. <laughs> <laughs> I bloody told you, not you, Koo. You never were, were like way behind him, but I told you people, like I warned you all. Glenn Robinson, before he arrived in Detroit, had taken like almost the exact same number of three-pointers in his career as John Luer had before he arrived in Detroit. Guess what happened? They're not actually good shooters. It's just a small sample size. Like, and, you know, it's funny because some people have defended it by saying, you know, I'd like my misses to be one-year misses, which it is true. At the very least, they haven't tied up cap space for multiple seasons in them. But there's no way around it. That's a colossal miss by the front office. because. It's not just that he hasn't been as good as some people hoped. Like, because remember before the season, a lot of people were really hoping that he was going to be able to be the starter this year, right? It's like, it's not just that Glenn <laughs> Robinson is not good enough to start. He can't even play, like, even a little bit. He's out of the rotation, and no one's really upset about it, at least no one who <clears throat> seriously – who um seriously watches the games? Is I know someone who's very upset about it. Yeah, no one who seriously watches the no, games I know is upset about does. it. Everyone's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, that dude is a hot garbage. Like that dude is a is terrible. We don't want him in there. We'd rather play Langston Galloway than him. And I'm serious. I would rather play Langston Galloway than him. I might rather play Jose Calderon than him. That's how bad he's been. 
Like, I would rather be like, Jose, you're playing small <laughs> forward now. <laughs> Blake gets hurt, and it's like, who's going to start at the four? And we look at Glenn, and we look at Jose. I look back to Glenn. I'm like, Jose, go get him. See what you can do, my guy. <laughs> no, it's for real, though. This man, Glenn Robinson, it's, it's literally like – it's a circus act. You know how, you know, you guys know how earlier in the season, me and Joe were talking about the little circus act that that man, that man Reggie Jackson put on in one of those games in the fourth quarter. That's, that's the kind of circus, that's the kind of circus act that ends up every time Glenn Robinson ends up in the game. Last time I believe he was in the game, he went in, had like, he did one good defensive stop. He immediately followed it with getting the rebound, dribbling down the court, Leaving his feet at the three point line, <laughs> I remember jumping that. towards the free and just throwing it behind him, turning the ball over. <laughs> but, okay, larger just, point though is that when people are talking about the overall job that the front office has done, I think we both agree we like what they've done mostly, right? More or less, okay. But there's a lot of people who are like, oh, it doesn't matter that they missed on Glenn Robinson, it's just a one year deal. It does matter. Think about how different this would be. If Glenn Robinson was even like, if we were even like, yeah, we're cool with Glenn Robinson playing 20 minutes per game, right? Like, think about how different this team would feel right now. It'd be like, yeah, Glenn Robinson's not that good, but we could put him out there. He's a bigger wing, you know, because they literally, (laughs) do the Pistons have any actual small forwards on their roster other than him now? No, not a one. They literally, like, if they make it to the playoffs, who the heck is going to guard Giannis Antetokounmpo? Who the heck is going to guard Kawhi Leonard? Like, who the heck is going to guard literally no, anybody on, that, on the I'll Boston start, Celtics? Crying again. <laughs> like, yeah, Stanley would have been nice. But, like, hypothetically, if Glenn Robinson had been anything better than utter hot garbage, you'd be like, well, you know, he's not going to be that good, but we can at least throw Glenn out there and it'll, you know, it'll be at least something. They don't even have that. So, look. That's crazy. I just thought about we for real like I mean I always knew it but I never really thought about it like this but we for real don't have any small forwards on this roster. Like we we for real don't have, Yeah, I mean we don't have it's the any truth, unless you think Svi Mikhailuk is going to do that, which I don't think he is. <laughs> I mean he's tall, he's like 6'8", but I don't think he's I don't think he's really a forward, he's more of a shooting guard. But it's just yeah, so Look, it is nice that the guy that they whiffed on in free agency is a guy they'll be able to be rid of in the offseason. But do not just pretend that that didn't happen, that the Pistons had one bullet to spend in free agency this offseason. One. And the guy they went for has been out of the rotation almost the entire season, and everyone's collective reaction is, yeah, that's good. This is correct. This is the right course of action. Of all our complaining about Dwayne Casey this season, we have never once complained about the playing time of Glenn Robinson the <laughs> third. So yeah, colossal whiff. Yep. And it's good that it's just a one year contract. Good that they got a team option for next year so they don't have him again. But man, that was a bad miss by the front office. Real bad miss. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? We've been going for a little while, but I don't care. Okay. 
Nope. I mean, I mean, I I <laughs> we mean, could just rip for a while, I guess, if we wanted, but. Um, no, if, yeah. if we and the other for thing minute, is, I'm let's see, the Pistons the play next on Friday, in. right? So we'll be rec- we'll have a chance to record again before they play again, so we could talk about some other stuff. Um, it, yeah. So um, no, we'll be. I haven't we'll be said anything tomorrow. about it yet, but I suppose I probably can now because um, it looks like this recording has gone well. So hopefully everything's Gucci with that. Um, we're hopefully going to have uh, Rod Beard on the show tomorrow. Um, or actually, when this comes out, when most of you will be listening to this, it'll actually be this morning. Um, the morning that this comes out, and most people will be listening to it that day, we will be recording with Rod in the morning. Um, and yes, we'll have lots of... Yeah, so hopefully that works out well. Um, there's a few the things 20th. that we'll hopefully be able to talk to him about. Um, and yeah, pretty exciting. Rod's a good dude. I think we both, you know, I, this isn't even a suck up to the beat writers guy. Cause guys, cause none of them listen to this. <laughs> At least I hope not. Jeez. Wouldn't that be terrible if one of them was like, yeah, I actually listen to that and be like, Oh, I wouldn't be, I'd be fucking no, terrified. Oh. No, I'd be happy if they listen to it. <laughs> I'd be, uh, I'd be terrified. And I've got, cause my <laughs> computer's fried. I have no way to edit that out. Even <laughs> that's there. Um, I'd be terrified if they were listening to this. (laughs) Like, yeah. But truthfully, we have some really, really good beat writers. Like, it's honestly, it's pretty funny for a franchise that is as poorly followed as the Pistons. We have an awesome broadcast team and awesome beat writers. Like, there's no two ways around that. There's a lot of teams that do not have four guys who are all really good. And legitimately, I think all four of them are really good. So, yeah. So we're really excited about that tomorrow. Um, Hopefully that's a good conversation with them. And yeah. So also, hopefully if this all goes smoothly, once again, because my computer got fried, it might be a little bit of a pain for me to get some of this done, but hopefully. Joe had too many, uh, too many sites going on. You know, I just, I I was trying to look at synergy. On multiple different occasions, and it just was too much for my computer to handle. Yeah, a backload of data. It was a yeah, backload. Back a backload would be one way of putting it, I suppose. Yeah, a load, a real load in the back. That is true. Um, yeah, that's why. Yeah, I so use it. hopefully, this all is going to be okay, and we're going to be able to keep recording regularly. Um, now that we're back, and yeah, so stay beautiful, everybody, and go. Pay-